Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. Today's guest is Juliet Caraman, who is a certified mind and body coach, expert on relationships, sensuality, healing, trauma, and body shame. She specializes in the reinvention of the most intimate relationship in life, the one you have with yourself. Welcome to the episode, Juliet Caraman. How are you? Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Uh, quick question I like to ask some of my guests. What got you out of bed this morning? <laughs> I Well, I, I got out of bed really early this morning because I was in Beirut, Lebanon. So <laughs> I had to take a plane early this morning to get back into the UK. So that's what got me up. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the uh, the mosque next door uh, at two o'clock, there was a call to prayer. So that I woke up. I'm like, OK, I might as well stay awake. <laughs> what 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 took you to Lebanon? My ex-husband's Lebanese and uh, one of my children is there at the moment. And he is moving to Nigeria. So I thought Lebanon, Beirut is probably easier for me to visit. I used to go there a lot. And uh, I'm, I'm not sure I'll be going to Nigeria yeah, anytime soon plus you know he's only just moving there so i'll need to get let him settle a bit <laughs> wow uh, it's so random because i just read an article that nigeria is building a new like two billion dollar airport mm -hmm. uh i guess to, to drum up business so that that'll be cool to see what that looks like in, right. in 2025 or something um but i'm ex I'm excited to have you on juliet i was looking at your website and you know i know that you work with very successful women and couples who has seemed to check all the boxes in life and yet feel like that there's a thing missing that it's, it's like everything's would be perfect if we could just fill in this one space this one void what is it that you found that people are quote-unquote missing if i really boil it down if i bring it all the way down to what it is it's connection connection to self and connect, I mean, first, first and foremost, connection to self. Uh, so connection to spirituality, connection to your body, connection to your desires, connection to who you are as this soul in this human experience, right? And then, you know, the couples that I work with, what usually have kind of like love each other, but have completely forgotten that connection, that intimacy. They've kind of like become brother and, and sister or a lot of resentment has built over up over the years that they kind of like tolerate each other and are are pretty lovey. But there's that 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 kind of like that je ne sais quoi, that that little pizzazz is missing. And you know, they feel like they're all everything is working well, and yet they're yearning for something more. I love that We're not word. Broken here. No one's broken. <laughs> no one's broken, but, but but we are yearning. And yeah. you brought up the word intimacy. This mm -hmm. is a, a word I, I really want to explore because I'm just now becoming familiar with this word intimacy. I've I've grown up on sex, hooking up, uh, banging, like all these other abstinence. Um, but intimacy is a word that was, I, I can't remember ever being used, actually, uh, in my childhood. Can you talk to us about what intimacy is? Yeah, and it's, it's funny, right? Because we are, 
bombarded with whatever your parents taught you about sexuality, which probably isn't very much. <laughs> Most people don't speak very openly about sexuality. Um, and then it's about the bees and the this and then, you know, about women, about periods and how not to get someone pregnant. But real intimacy doesn't actually need to be sexual at all. It's I have beautiful, intimate conversations with a lot of my girlfriends, but it's intimacy. It's if you actually just look at the word into me, you see. So it's bringing what is in the inside out so that people can actually witness that. And that's it's a hella scary, right? It's like being that vulnerable in front of people is scary. But that's where you know, practices like Tantra, um, eye gazing, all or, or really beautiful communication skills are what brings intimacy out. So if I ask you, hey, how are you doing? Leo, you'll probably just say, yeah, I'm fine. But instead, if I ask, okay, so Leo, tell me, give me one, focus on one part of your body and what's happening there. So if you would say, Juliet, how are you doing? I'm be like, well, I'm a little bit tired, but you know, I, I actually at the moment I feel my chest is really expanded. It's warm. It feels like there's a, there's a bit like a football size there and it feels warm on the edges and there's a tingling in my hands. And most people will be like, that's a bit random. But you can now imagine what that feels like for you, right, in your body. Because I've just given you a body frame, what's going on in my body. And it's like, oh, that's kind of cool. That's I'm seeing into you. I'm like really intimate with you in that moment because you're sharing what's happening in your body with me. Like so often we forget to connect to our partners, to our children. And we just ask, what have you done today? Instead of like, what? What do you love about life? What are five things that you used to love doing as a child? Uh, these are some of the questions that I ask my couples. I'm like, hey, what are 10 things, 10 qualities that you loved about your partner when you first were together with them? I get them to do communication games, like tell me what you love about me or our relationship. What's one fear we have and, and what's the desire? Where do we want to go in 10 years? What's one thing that we've always wanted to try and open it up and not be afraid that someone's going to like, yeah, like, no, don't agree. But just like, let's just open it up for conversation. Yeah. What are we afraid of? I, I noticed you made kind of a like a gavel movement. Is it <laughs> the rejection, humiliation that this person is going to abandon us? Like, what's the what's that fear? Why aren't we sharing what's going on on the inside? Aren't we all like, don't we all want to be seen, heard, understood and loved? And yet as a baby, that's what we were like, right? We were like this perfect, tiny little, little child that, that knew when to cry, when it wanted love, attention, clean nappy, clean diaper, you know, food, whatever. And then over the years, all the imprints from everyone around us kind of had us hold back from being that total person who we were so we're afraid of doing that because someone has looked at us in a certain way they have perhaps told us that it's you know you don't share that um how often have you heard like hey man up don't be pussy or you know or a woman only cry you know all all these kind of things you start looking at culture how what have we been taught is that actually really true so fascinating. Yeah, all these, I love how you use the word imprints because 
those yeah. looks do leave an imprint. I was just thinking about uh, Will Smith in that look that Jada Pinkett gave to him at the Oscars and how it wasn't just about her look. It was about the the number of other women who have given him that look. And mm -hmm. it just accumulated into that that one moment. And so a lot of times we don't realize we're we're reacting to a thing now based on 20 things that and happened before. It. But that's it. That's that's also my definition of trauma is like something that happened to us that was so quick that the psyche and our body couldn't process it. So we hold on to it. So it could be the way that you walked on the street, someone cat whistled at you and you didn't really like that or the way that someone brushed past you or the way that just someone you know said something about you, hey, like fatso or, or whatever, you know, like a. You shouldn't be wearing a dress like that. Any of these things can really just imprint in our body, in our psyche. And then we get into this continuous loop of like, we're not good enough. We're looking for outside approval. Uh, we're looking at others to love us because we have heard that we're unlovable. Yeah, I had a friend ask me if she was unlovable, you know, because she's in her 40s and uh, was struggling to in relationships, uh, you know, maybe maybe they last six months to a year that was about her cycle and 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 when people are asking am i unlovable what are they really asking are they i, I my response to that is there's i think think of my body in parts like maybe there's a part of me i think that's unlovable but i think a lot of times we make the local global and that then catastrophizes it even more and i see you nodding your head Completely right. And what I mean, we're made out of so many parts, right? I mean, that's why I love doing parts work with people as well. Where it's like, hey, you know, we were made out of this like little three-year-old that got hurt sometime. And then the six-year-old that wants to stamp her feet. And you're like, yeah, I want to drive the bus. And then the 42-year-old that got hurt and went through a divorce, whatever, you know. So we have all these parts that made up, make up the totality of us. And yeah, and sometimes it's just like, hey, acknowledging like that part of my, me got hurt and it's okay. And it's how do you, how can you mother that part of yourself? It doesn't even need to be mother, but, you know, just for lack of a better word, how can you love that part of yourself? How can you put attention on that part of yourself? Because sometimes it will be screaming and kicking and, and saying, you know, stomping. and like, I don't want to do something. And it's like, but that part is often pulling attention because it wants something so it wants to get your attention about something and once you can start becoming aware that it's not just you know like i go to work from nine to five you know and i'm only in work mode but that you have all these other things other pieces of you that come in and it's like and sometimes they need you know a bit of times and sometimes yeah, that little one might need a little hug for you to actually just give yourself a butterfly hug. Or a good one is right hand under your left armpit. And yeah, and then hold yourself. That's, you know, that's a heart hug. And where really you start to um, slow down your breathing, your whole heart rate, your whole nervous system starts to like calm down again to regulate again, because we can self-regulate. We can regulate with animals and with others as well, but that is often what happened. We something happened to us, and we got into one of those fight, flight, 
freeze situations and we're actually not realizing that our body's not regulated it's so interesting because i went to a catholic school and you know this idea of touching yourself was demonized so early on and i'm just now learning the power of soothing myself through touch Mm -hmm. through Mm -hmm. like you talked about placing your hand under your armpit which i had never heard of before um but just like you know hand to heart or hand to stomach or hand to face can you talk to us more about the the soothing properties of of touching ourselves whether it's through hug or yeah absolutely i mean they've done studies and i don't know the numbers but i know they've done studies with babies that were in incubators and there would be nurses that would just come and and touch the babies. Yeah, every day a volunteer would come and touch the baby and talk to it, and and actually give it some physical touch. And then there were others that didn't get that, and the ones that didn't get the physical touch um, got into a lot of trouble either with drugs, uh, alcohol, some some kind of substance abuse, or later in life uh, got into trouble with the law. So it's just physical touch is massively important and like you said in some religions we're taught not to touch ourselves at all and you also you kind of mimic what your parents do I mean I was married to 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 an Arab so it's lots of kissing and and loving our children and we used to kiss them 5,000 times a day and we had these Australian nannies and they're like Juliet and Kareem you kissed your kids and you tell them you love them all the time and I've got four kids so but they've grown up being really comfortable with touch but yet when it comes to sensuality or sexuality like what would you like they're like mommy we don't talk about that which is really interesting because in my work they're like you you said so if you don't even know how to soothe yourself how to just you know like what I said so the right hand under the armpit so that's over over your heart almost and then cross your left hand over your other arm and kind of pat your arm like that. All right. And you'll just notice that you'll start breathing a bit deeper. Your heart rate will probably slow down. Another one is actually just on your chest, your clavicle, just pitter patter with your hands. Oh yeah, tapping. I yeah, I've, I've, oh, yeah, I've done I some tap tapping. As well. <laughs> so you're calling this pitter patter. So this is a little different than tapping. It sounds like. Yeah, tapping. You start on the on the head, on the on the crown. So you put one or two two um, hands there, and you just tap it. Then you go to the inner eyebrow point, so in between your nose. You tap there. Then you tap onto the temple. And you tap under your eye. Then you tap under your nostrils between your lip and your nose your chin and then again your chest your clavicle and then under the armpit so that is one cycle of of tapping EFT emotional freedom tapping and actually what they've learned is by tapping on these pressure points it releases oftentimes emotions and other things so when Say someone's really angry and we'll ask, like, on a scale of one to ten, how angry are you? Or like or eight. And then 
as you touch his tapping points, you just let it rip, saying, I'm so frigging angry at this, and blah, 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 blah. I call it tap and bitch. So you tap and you bitch. <laughs> and you do about two rounds of that, and then you kind of like check in with yourself and like, oh, I'm a six out of ten. That's cool. Okay, let's go again. <laughs> it's like emotional release, right? So, you can, so I do tap and, and bitch. I get other people to scream in their car. But just to release those emotions, because... That's another thing that we're not taught to actually release emotions. And instead we shove it under the carpet and that's how people get, you know, like, like so numb to everything because then we blow up when there's a fight. But if you just release it or you go for a walk, you, 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 you scream into, into the woods or hold on to the, the floor, the, the ground. Grounding is really good. Lying, lying with your feet in the grass. All of that releases the energy that emotions carry with us. So that it does, it's not like a volcano that then simmers, simmers, simmers and explodes. So for, uh, you know, if working with couples and the couple, maybe they got into a disagreement or an argument. And so the, you know, one, one person goes off and they tap and a bitch and they tap and a bitch. Uh, until they get down to a two or one or maybe even a zero is that the the end of it or is there another part that precedes that in terms of uh resolving the conflict that led resolving to the, the conflict i would say it's it's really good to have some boundaries when you both notice that you know you're getting really hot-headed and you're starting to like you know, starting to boil and wanting to shout in insults at each other because we're also, you know, we also are accounting. We have like accounting ledgers in our head. It's like, see, last week you didn't take out the rubbish or trash, you know, and you, you always do this and you never, I mean, the two words never to use in, in a fight, you always and you never, All right? So the best thing is to have some boundaries saying, hey, I don't think that this is conductive to either of us. We're both on the on the same team. So that's one of my favorite expressions. We're both on the same team. I'm going to need to take a few minutes and actually remove myself from here and just work on myself. And then you can also say, hey, are you cool to come back and discuss this later? You know, like whatever you give them the time frame. Because so often what I've noticed with couples and what I also did is like when my partner would come back, I'm like, Hey, do you have a minute? And I just download on him, but I didn't really ask, do you have a minute and, and wait for his answer? But I like, just go. And so often, yeah, he comes home from work. He's a lawyer. He's got like things in his head. And then I'm like, ah. so he's just, you know, on his phone doing other stuff. And then I get hurt thinking, you see, you don't care about me. And you never cared about me. Otherwise, he would have taken out to trash yesterday. And, la, 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 la. and you see how that escalates. So a way is to say, it's like, you know, so now I'll go up to him and say, hey, Alex, can I talk to you? I, 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 there's some stuff on my mind I'd love to talk to you about. It. Do you have time? Now, do you have the time and do you have the bandwidth for it? And for him, it's like, I'd love to speak to you. And at the moment, I actually need to finish this contract. So what about we do it tonight before after dinner? And that then gives us both the, the time to check in. Like for me, then it's like, that's a counter offer. I'm like, oh yeah, that feels good. Or yeah, let's do it before the kids go to sleep or before the, you know. And then you can actually come together. And then it's like, hey, I have this to talk to you. And then again, you know, if the, the tempers rise too much, go and take care of yourself 
and then say, what about we talk about this in the morning when we've both cooled down or before we get to bed and we, you know, we've taken our time. We've taken half an hour time out. <laughs> well, and I have to be honest. I have a little anxiety. I noticed in myself a little chest tightening Good. I mean, over this. Like if my girlfriend were to say to me, hey, do you have time for us to talk now or talk later in my head? I'm I'm thinking she wants to talk about me. There's something that I did that she wants to talk about. Is there a way that we can yes. soften that question so that I'm not dialed it in even more? Yes. Yeah. So how I do is saying, hey, uh, you know, I would say like, listen, hey, Leo, can we um, I'd love to tell you about what's happened in my day and I'd, I'd love to get your advice on it. Um, do you have time for that? Do you have the bandwidth for that at one point today? And then you can just say, yeah, that's cool. But yeah, give them a little hint. It's not like we need to talk today. You've been a little, you know, you've been a little shy, sir. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's true. And that's also it's it's to give that uh, context. And that's often where we say, well, we need to talk. It's like, no, that's not what we're doing here. We're actually saying, hey, I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to connect with you. When do you have time for that? Because it can also just be connection, right? I want to just connect with you. I want to tell you what's on my heart. See, I love that too. Of sometimes, because I notice that in myself, like I'm, I, I'm working on becoming more mindful about taking moments just to applaud her, mm -hmm. just to yeah. you know okay. give her her high fives, and you know, be like you know, I really enjoyed our conversation last night, and Beautiful. or the dinner, or the time that we had, or, you know, yada yada yada, like mm -hmm. saying I, I want to talk about that. Because so many times I want to talk is usually some problem that we now need to fix. And I'm like, oh, you know, gosh. And so to but lighten that's that it, up. Right? Stuff doesn't need to be fixed. And this is one of the preempts that I also say or that I also tell my, 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 my clients. It's like when you go to your husband or your partner or your boyfriend or whoever it is, girlfriend, saying, hey, yeah, I have this thing that came up at work. I don't need you to fix me, <laughs> but I would like to talk it through with you at one point. But really, because, you know, men, I'll be honest, you know, or and women as well, but especially men like to fix things. They like to fix stuff for their partner and have them feel better. And, and we like to praise and, and make sure that, you know, you guys are comfortable. So it's kind of just getting out of those stereotypical things by saying, hey, I don't need fixing, but I would like just your your opinion on it. And or sometimes like I don't even need your opinion on it, but I just need to vent. Are you open for that? Can I vent? And and you, I don't even need your attention that much, but I need you to just listen to me for five minutes. Are you open for that? There's so much talk about not going to bed angry. Does mm -hmm. that mean that we have to resolve it before bedtime? Like, what does that mean? It's so funny, right? Because a lot of people say, don't go to bed angry. And for the longest time, I also thought, like, don't go to bed angry. Um but sometimes, you know, you need a little bit of distance. And I wouldn't say go to bed angry, but you don't need to resolve anything. But you know, sometimes it's just like, hey, you know, what we talked about, that hurt my feelings. And I'm not in a space that I, I don't want to overprocess it because that's what we do. Right. Then we'll go around in circles and circles. And three hours later, we're still talking about the same thing. And everyone got hurt. It's like, my feelings got hurt. I, I appreciate that we are going to bed. We try to not go to bed angry. So I'm not angry. But, you know, maybe we bookmark this that we can talk about this 
some other time. And really take the time to breathe, do some breathing exercises. Think back what you love about that person because you are on the same team and you your emotions got hurt, your, your feelings got hurt. It's not that they are a bad person and that they're out to get you. That's that's one of the things that I keep reminding people. It's like it is something in you that responded that way, that reacted that way, because there is, yeah, there could be trauma, there could be some intense experience. It could just be reminding you of the way that your mother used to speak to you, that you didn't like a friend, whatever. But it's it's created some link to something, and that is awareness. Let's start looking at that. And that's it. And sometimes you just need that time to process it and kind of like, oh, yeah, that actually reminded me like like I had this with Alex at one point. He came behind me and he would touch me and he tried to kiss me. And I kind of like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I shrug and I kind of like, like, yeah, I, I tightened up a bit. I froze up a bit. And he noticed that. And he's like, am I doing something wrong? And it took all my my power to actually stay with and stay with the sensation and realize it's like, oh. It's not you at all. I'm not brushing you up and I love you, but it's just reminding me of a time that my uncle used to do this and I, I was abused by him. So it's it's like it took me straight back into that. But to also be aware of that and then to communicate it to my partner saying, I love it when you when you come up to me and it takes me straight there. So give me two seconds and let me just um, let me just breathe through it because I know it's not him, but it's you. Uh, you, you know, and I think that's a great place to enter into what got you into this work, you know, because I can tell that you're not speaking just from what you've read in books or, <laughs> you know, a Cosmo <laughs> magazine cover like this is this is coming from a, a deep place and, and a well of experience. Uh, sh can you share some of your history and what led you into uh, wanting to help couples connect? It's interesting, right? Um yeah, so I am Dutch. I've been living in the UK for quite a while, um, 24 years. I always have to think which children, who was born where. <laughs> and that's when I can remember where I lived. Um, and really good relationship with my husband. But at one point, we just kind of grew apart, right? Um, and two of my kids are dyslexic. So I got really interested in psychology, wanted to learn how to help them. So of course I couldn't help my own kids that much, but I, I taught other children on the on the spectrum, autism and dyslexia, you know, Tourette's, everything. Um once I got divorced from my my husband went straight into another relationship, lots of seven children between the two of us. And I didn't quite listen to my body that I was overgiving because that was my, you know, modus operandi. I, I knew how to give. <laughs> um, so I spent nine months in hospital, in and out of hospital, because I fainted and I couldn't walk unaided for like a meter, you know, like, like a few yards. Um, so I had to drop to, to, you know, to really to rock bottom. And that is when I got really deep into personal development. That's when I started working more deeply with psychiatrists, um, psychologists, with personal development. That's when I re-remembered my my rape. Uh, you know, I've had quite a few, quite a lot of, of sexual abuse as well in my childhood. But when the psyche can't handle it, it just kind of buries it until you are ready for it. 
So, yeah, so that was my deep dive. And I just kept diving a little bit deeper and deeper. And then I had my sister pass away. So I kind of helped her pass over. I re-remembered my near-death experience. Every, every time it was like the next crumb to help. So then I went shamanic journeying and then and apprenticed with the shaman. And then it was my father's turn. And then it was my mother's turn to commit euthanasia. So I've kind of been on this whole grief and grief journey and helping people with their emotions, um, sexual trauma, all of that for, yeah, for a good 15, 20 years. You know, I think that's part of the midlife crisis, you talked about how we spend so much time suppressing our emotions mm -hmm. and our traumas and our grief. And I think there's something that happens and, and please, uh, you know, share with me your insights on this in our forties, where all of a sudden we can't outrun it anymore. I mean, partly our, like our knees just aren't as strong as they were in the twenties, but we, <laughs> We is there something about you know I'm 47 and everything yeah. weighs heavier now. You know I have two I therapists, it. I have a couple's therapists. Like I need work, and I just don't have all the, I would say physical distractions that I had before my yeah. 40s. Whether it was sports, sex, food, all those things that start to peel away the layers. Um, the, the Isn't it funny, right? Because one of my first programs was called the Love Your Midlife Method. And it was really teaching women what it means is midlife um, time. Yeah, because because everyone, all the psychologists talk about it because you have grown up, you've graduated, you've gone to university or not. You've had your first job, possibly have bought your first house, the children, the car, the this, the that. So you've ticked all the boxes. And... You know, you worked and you got your career, you got all of that. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, but there's more to life than just this. Right. And that's where we start waking up. That it's it's if you think about the the the, the pyramid of, of Maslow, like all the things that you can only get to the, the top once you have shelter and food and all of that cared for. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh enlightenment what what am i here to leave do i want to leave a legacy what, what am i doing i'm working you know, i'm in this rut this is not really what i want to be doing so that's that's what happens in midlife we're kind of like the blinders come off right it's like whoa okay there is more i want to maybe set up a charity or i want to leave a legacy or i want more for myself i want more for my children i want i want more connection with my partner but I don't know how to ask for it because I haven't been taught. And that's where people then say, okay, let's try sacred medicine. Let's work with a shaman. Let's work with a healer. Let's work with a coach, with a relationship therapist, uh, a shrink, whatever it is. But we start looking outside ourselves for answers and for a community of like-minded people that are saying, yeah, you're not crazy. This is, you know, it's okay. It's real what you're feeling. You know, and you, you talked about this idea of we want more. And I, and I definitely think that's what we think we want on the surface, right? Because now you see the guy wanting a Porsche and the boat and the, the, the girl that's half his age. And, you know, the, the woman, all of a sudden now she's, you know, wants to travel to 
uh, every place on the map and, uh, you know, taking all these classes, like, like you said, it's all external. And I, and I'm realizing that it's, we think we want more because that's our mm-hmm. like ego or brain, but I'm guessing that what we want is something deeper, not more. It's just, how do I get deeper into this relationship with myself? How do I get deeper, uh, deeper connection with my partner? Not, not another mm-hmm. partner, but, but there has to be other layers to this experience. They're beautiful. Right. That I haven't touched on. Can you expand on that? So really beautiful, the distinction that you said, because the, the classic midlife crisis is what you described. Porsche and the guy going for a younger woman and then the woman going for a younger man and whatever, you know, outside experience, outside self. But actually here is the invitation, like, let's start becoming intimate with me. Let's start becoming intimate with my thoughts, with my emotions, body sensations. Really, you know, there's, because any experience can be broken down into four elements, an image, a thought, a body sensation, and an emotion. And once you can duplicate them, you can move through them. So this is part of how I teach people to move through um, intense experiences by duplication. So instead of rushing for yet another class or for another hit of dopamine or or adrenaline because that's you know the feel-good chemicals right like give it to me (laughs) like can you become a bit more still is there instead of reaching for your phone first thing in the morning can you actually be still can you focus on your breathing perhaps you want to do meditation perhaps you want to do a walking meditation sometimes you know like if you want to be with your partner, connect with them over a coffee, leave the phones off and actually you know, watch the sunrise together. Do something which is different, but create memories because that is all we're going to have by the time we, we leave, right? And how can you open communication in a way after being with someone for so long? And also, you might not even realize your body, what gives you pleasure? What is pleasurable for you? What kind of touch do you like? And we we might've been with someone for so long and it's always the same. And they think like they've got the formula down. Perfect. And then the partner actually says, yeah, no, let's try this. So, you know, it's like a double whammy. Oh shit, have I done this wrong all these years? And she doesn't like it. And how do I do it now? But it also, it it can open such a can of worms and it can be so liberating where it's like, hey, can we just slow everything down? And can we just really just like concentrate on on the hand? You know, how do I like being stroked on my hand? And today it might be with nails going up really soft and tomorrow it might be with, you know, massaging going down. But noticing that every moment might be different and every moment is the now moment, which is, you know, perfect. But to realize it's like, hey, there's this world of possibilities, how we can actually tap into each other and what we like. But we haven't been taught to ask questions like, how do you want to be touched? Yeah, we haven't, we haven't, like, I have these weird implements, this is like a little duster. But, you know, yeah, we haven't touched that on our hand and see if we actually like that. You know, one of these microfiber, I don't know, weird little... <laughs> floppy things with alien looking things but if you stroke that really softly up and down 
the outside of your hand and then the inside. What feels more pleasurable? You don't take the time to do stuff like this. But then so, if you want to connect intimately with someone, that's how, what you can start doing. You know, one of the things that uh, my girlfriend, Michelle, and I, we do is a lot of times we like to watch TV, you know, or a movie at night. But we take time to connect first before we connect. The t- yes. Before we turn on the TV, we check in with each other. Like, is there anything Good. that we need to talk about? And what I found is how important it is to ask directly mm-hmm. because if i just say is there anything you want to talk about uh, nine times out of ten it'll be no unless there's something that she's really angry about in which case i don't have to wait to ask her i'll find out <laughs> <laughs> i'll find out soon enough um but i really have to i really have to go back in and be like is there anything that's confusing you is there anything that's bothering you is there anything that um that you're excited by like looking for like i have to I have to kind of drill and then eventually I get like a few things that I'm like, wow, I'm glad we sat with this for a minute yes. instead of me taking the initial response. Uh, because then it brings up for me things to talk about. And I see you nodding your head right now. Yeah, completely right. I mean, a simple little so- sentence like, tell me more. Or, or what, is that, what does that mean for you? You know, tell me what, what does that bring up for you? Um, and just reflecting what you've heard, you know, because so often we'll, we'll just say, yeah, no, everything's fine. It's like, well, you know, well, how was your day? And then you ask, you know, they'll, they'll tell you about their day. But then sometimes it's like, tell me more about that, because I'm not quite grasping what was important about it for you. All right. And, and, and that's the thing. It's like taking the time. This is why I think building in a date morning or a date afternoon or something when we're not tired, not, not evening, um, once a week to put away all TVs and all telephones, not talk about the kids, not talk about work, but really to connect. And also like, what is our vision? Where do we, where do we want to be in 10 years? You know, what, what do you love about me? What do I love about you? What's, what's fun about us? You know, what, what, what do we want to create together? Because we don't take time for that, you know, where we're kind of like plop on the phone, plop on the TV, have, uh, you know, just kind of zone out, which is perfectly fine because we're all tired, right? But then like, also like before getting to bed, it's like, hey, I really, I, I, I like trying to connect. I mean, I've been away for two weeks now. So, so my, my partner is like dying to connect a little bit tonight. And just like, he came, picked me up from the airport. We went out for lunch. He took a day off and we just connected and actually just chatted about, you know, how my time with my kids in, in Dubai and then Lebanon was and how he missed me and how, you know, he wants to show me some things in the garden, how, what that brings up for him. He's like, I, I never thought I'd be a gardener. And I kind of like brought up all kinds of like conditioning that men shouldn't be gardeners. He's from he's from New Zealand. And then it's kind of like fun because you kind of say, oh, okay, tell me more about that. So you kind of like, it meanders in, in directions that normally it might never have taken. It, it sounds like you two had like a catching up after two weeks. Did you two Wait, not so. talk a lot while you were gone? And I'm asking oh, yeah, this. You- we talk every morning and every night. Every least. morning and every night. Wow. <laughs> every morning, every night. I'm probably texting once or twice during that day as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's always before, when I when I travel, I always we always speak at night before going to sleep. 
I'm first thing in the morning. Uh, and that's actually a really good good point uh, that you brought up because there's a lot of people that have long distance relationships and uh actually speaking on the phone is you know even if it's two three minutes because a voice has so many codes in it and and you can tell by someone's voice what's going on and by text you can misinterpret texts a lot of ways it's so true. I, I I find that there are times where I have to send, I have to write the rough draft and then send it to like five friends to be like, mm. is this, how's this, does this sound the way I, I, I mean, I, it sounds in my head or should I clean this up a bit? Or uh, I even found that chat GPT does a great job of cleaning <laughs> up text messages. Uh, I, I've used it a couple of times. I've told her, but it's just, it's quite remarkable to see how it, how it changes the game for me. Uh, Isn't that funny? Yeah, and and also I would say, I mean, that's that's one of my my suggestions to all my couples and all my all my people for relationships. Like, if it's something important, don't text it. Really, make sure that you get on a phone call or you speak to each other face to face. You can't break up on text. Yeah, you got got talk about really important things on text. Yeah, it's text is more like, hey, come and can you get me this or I love you in the morning or what, whatever, you know, but or, or you, know, you can have a bit of flirty text as well, which is fun. But really, like, have the discussion time, communication, let that be verbal. Earlier, you mentioned um, a number of sexual assaults that have taken place. Um, I read a book called I believe it, it was in Triggers, and you talked about the importance of rewriting our history versus replaying it. Meaning a lot of times we just replay what's happened. Mm -hmm. And what we can do is go back and rewrite what's happened. So if somebody hurt you to rewrite it to where they hugged you, if somebody yelled at you to rewrite it to where they asked you, you know, loving intimate questions. Uh, have you done any work with, rewriting replaying like how have you recontextualized it's it's interesting right so when we remember when we think we remember we only remember the part that we remember the last time that we remember the time that we actually thought about it so we don't ever really recall the moment completely we just remember the last time uh so it's 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 kind of like if you also ask five witnesses to an accident they all they all see it differently right so it's the brain is just kind of interesting like that so i didn't realize that to um that to move through something you actually have to almost like do it over so i was in this class and i was getting i was in this bdsm class and i was getting flogged on my my shoulders so big flogger this that and I could feel that something was popping, so I asked the 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 lead the the um, the dom and her her assistant. I'm like, can you go harder because I I could just feel that something was was about to pop. You know, it's it's actually like that balloon. And it was like, okay, okay, okay. And then all of a sudden, my whole body just got into these heightened states because and that's that's how you can get to with sex, with, with BDSM, with breath work, with all kinds of different ways you can get into these altered states. And everything came flooding through. 
So it's like I could see what happened. I, I got date raped when I was 15, when I was 18 by five guys in, in Spain. And I had completely buried it. So body started shaking, you know, uh, crying, and, and it just actually just moved. And it was kind of like seeing uh, a deer shake after it's 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 like outrun whatever predator so my body was just shaking like this so this is why you have things like tre tra tra uh, trauma release exercises that actually get the body to shake um to complete that trauma cycle and then somehow i realized like when i get to london i'm going to reenact that rape but give it a different uh finish so I was duplicating it, but duplicating it and then giving it the finish that I wanted. So I contacted uh, a dom and we arranged it. And that's actually how I got into BDSM a bit, because I could realize like, oh, my God, you can reach you can reach such healing states through this, through the release. So that was my first um, my first way of, of dealing with it. And then since then, um, I have learned lots of different methods that actually, and I was I was teaching for a company called the Accelerated Evolution um, a coaching company in Canada that teaches you an exact protocol how to take people through trauma trauma um, instances and intense experiences by doing this by duplicating it by the image, thought, body sensation, and emotion. And then you release a charge because when there's no charge, it's like, okay, this happened to me, but yeah, it happened. It happened. It's not great, but you know, I'm, I'm not crying about it anymore. I I'm not activated. My body doesn't respond to anything. My mind doesn't. So it's really beautiful how you can just release that emotional charge with it because that's all we always have emotional charge. That is, you know, that's keeping us stuck. It's so resonant because my mom told me recently that she had a, a sexual assault uh, incident when she was a child and her and all of her sisters and there was no charge to it. She was just like, yeah, it happened, uh, but I'm about yeah. to go to a movie right now. Can I call you back? You know, like it was just a very matter of fact. It was a thing that happened uh, along with a million things that's happened in her life. And yeah, that's it. Um, and she doesn't have to hold on to it. So it's it's beautiful to hear. It's But it's so cool that you can do this with everything. Like with someone that has said something to you. Or with a fight that you've had with, I don't know, your brother or, or a friend. You can release the charge. And then it's just like, oh, okay, yeah, that happened. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Life happens. It's okay. Julia, is there anything that we haven't mentioned that you think would be of benefit to our list i know i know there's a million things we haven't <laughs> talked about we could i feel like we could talk for forever but uh is there is there anything that uh, is at the top of mind or that you feel like is coming up for your clients currently i think there's a really easy and quick check-in that people can do because we don't to really build that awareness right for me i always say one of my quotes is awareness is the first step towards self-love because we really start becoming aware of what's happening in us, then we can actually start loving ourselves more. Um, so I get my peeps to set a timer twice a day for one minute or 90 seconds and just to drop everything that they're doing and take a deep breath in through their nose. 
and out through their mouth. And then again, in through your nose, out through your mouth. And just one more time. And then do a body scan. What's happening in your body? For me, it's like, oh, I've got tingling in my, my fingers. They're kind of hot. And there's like an expansion in my chest. I'm like, is there any image? I'm like, okay, the image that's coming up because I'm looking at you <laughs> on Zoom. Like, are there any thoughts that are coming up? Like, no, this is kind of cool. So I'm going to let myself think that thought. This is cool. Are there any emotions? Like, no, it's calmness. Like, good. I'm going to let myself feel that calmness. And then notice, is there anything else that's coming up? Is there a new emotion? Is there a new thought? And just that's how we clear the monkey mind. So the next thought is like, oh, am I taking too long with this explanation? I'm like, good. Okay, so let's think that thought. Am I taking too long? And when I think that thought, I can notice there's a little bit of tightness in my jaws. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'm going to feel that tightness in my jaws. And what's the emotion that's coming up? Like, this kind of like silliness, like, you know, isn't it? <laughs> it's kind of like, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's not really an emotion, but there's just like, yeah, carefree. And the thought that it's like, isn't it silly what we what we make up in our mind? But you see how it just spirals and then you get to a place where it's, you know, after 90 seconds of this, you're like, whoa, okay, I can feel my body. I can quiet my thoughts and my emotions are all on track. And it takes 90 seconds, max. Beautiful. And everyone uh, has two times 90 seconds a day. You can't tell me that you don't have three minutes for yourself. <laughs> that's right. Even if you're on a bus or, you know, what I like to, to do is, um, kind of take that pause before I leave work. I've yes. noticed it makes such a big difference. I spent so much exhausted, I should say, so much energy on trying to beat traffic. You mm -hmm. can't beat traffic. So uh, I would take like a few minutes after work. I used to substitute teach and just sit in the class and just feel it being empty and wait till I felt myself come to zero. And then I would change my shoes. There's something about changing my shoes and putting on new socks. And it, like, it just makes you feel like a brand new person. And then get in the car, and then I'm just like, I'm a whole new person. That, mm -hmm. that, that pause between transitions is so valuable. Isn't uh, it beautiful? I love that one. Another one which is great, especially like for, for if you come in from work, just before you open the door, <laughs> especially if you've got young kids about to come there, it's just like, just take a breath, feel yourself again, right? It's like, okay, put the phone away and actually realize that now the attention is going to come off me and I'm going to put the attention into the house. Because I remember my dad used to come home and he'd have his little, little glass of sherry, have his evening newspaper. We all knew as kids not to bother him for about 20 minutes because that was his downtime. And for us, how can we just factor that in before we go straight into like a busy taking care of kids or cooking or, or like you said, I love that changing your shoes and just taking a moment and do that several times a day. Uh, dance break is great as well. Yeah, dance break. So massive. Perfect. Oh right? my God. 
I I do it uh, definitely during when I shower. I put on some dance music. It's it. just such a cleansing uh, energy that comes with just putting on something silly, loosey goosey as you're showering. Yeah. Absolutely. I do it in between clients sometimes. I make sure that my clients don't go the full hour. I like they're 50 minutes, my slots, or or shorter even. And then I have those 10 minutes to like do some breathing. I put on some tunes, dance to one song. And then I'm like, okay, now my attention is completely focused again. I can focus for another client. I love that. Julia, how, if people want to work with you, reach out to you, how can they do that? Of course, we'll link to uh, your website and everything in the show notes. But just, uh, let the people know. Perfect. My website is Feel Fully You. Um, and there's a whole bunch of free things there. There are a whole bunch of courses. I do some VIP days and I'm probably going to do a retreat uh, in the autumn and next year as well. Um, so that's the best way. Otherwise, Juliet Caraman. So double T-E, French spelling, Juliet, and then Caraman, K-A-R-A-M-N, both on Facebook and on Instagram. And I think I'm on LinkedIn as well, but I don't <laughs> do much on LinkedIn and Twitter. So. I love it. And then last yeah, everything question. is on, on the on the website as well. Last question I'd like to ask of all my guests is always imagine there's one person listening in who may be on the precipice of wanting to end their life. Before mm. you kill yourself, what would you say to them, Juliet? Breathe. Take one moment. I actually work with people that are suicidal. So I would just say, just take one moment. Breathe. Take a breath in. Feel yourself and feel the divine. Feel the divinity that you are. And is it, is it really that bad? Yeah. And some people, some souls are like, yes, we want to go home. And it's like, I would say, reach out. You know, there are so many people that can help you. Just take a moment. Thank you so much, Juliet. Thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you calling the 988 or any of the international phone numbers. If you're in Lebanon, if you're in Shanghai, no matter where you are, you can chat, text. You can go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together. Thank you so much, Juliet.